You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join us this week on Friday afternoon to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Previewing the Suns side of things here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Clean. 14. But most importantly, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, where you can give me your predictions for the Western Conference play-in game, that 7-8 matchup on Wednesday night, Lakers-Warriors, to decide who the Suns' opponent is in the first round. Uh, We don't know that yet, though, so we are not going to really talk too much about it today. We actually talk a little bit about the Lakers and the Warriors on the show, previewing, as I said, the Suns' side of the action, what what storylines, what stories, what um, adjustments should we expect from the Suns and, and, and what's just kind of lingering here as we wait for that first round matchup to materialize. So to do that with me, Trevor Booth joined the show. I have gotten to know him at Suns games this season. He's been constantly there covering this team day in and day out as a student at Cronkite News and now uh, joining the Bright Side of the Sun staff to help us get through the playoffs with his coverage. So it all should be a lot of fun um, to watch together, but Trevor is in the know as much as anybody, so he helped me get you ready. I hope you enjoy the show. Here it is. Joined now by Trevor Booth. He is Joining our staff at Bright Side of the Sun just in time for the Suns playoff run and want to keep the preview week rolling here, Trevor. We don't know exactly what this game will be, but I think we all have a pretty good idea that it will be the Lakers. So we'll touch on a little bit of that stuff as it pertains to the Lakers, Um, but we want to keep things pretty Sun specific today. So uh, just going to hit on some of the biggest storylines, go back and forth, you and I, on the things in our heads about this team as uh, as they get ready for Sunday, which we now know is going to be game one. So uh, first, thank you for coming on. And I will give you the floor with uh, the thing that is kind of jumping to the front of your brain when you're thinking about the playoff series the Suns are about to play. Yeah, thank you, Brendan, for having me on. I'm excited to get going with the staff here Um, and very interesting first round matchup that we're about to see whether it is the Lakers or the Warriors, a lot of championship experience on either side. And it's not your easy, you know, considering the play in and the format of it, it's not the easy game you think or the series it would be. It's going to be very challenging either way. So it's going to be a great test for the Suns off the bat. Um, And what a way to welcome them back to the playoffs after 11 years to get either the defending champs or a team that's really dominated the last five, six years of the league. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the way that I've been trying to just kind of settle with it, honestly, of not even like, uh, you know, who I'm rooting for or any of that. It's more just like, I don't really want this season to end so quickly. So I'm kind of like, you know, it's going to be tough and whatever comes of it is, is kind of just, I've been saying it's just gravy. Like 
this series is going to be fun to watch, fun to cover. This season's been cool to see them come together. And yeah, if, if it ends, if it's not what we want to see, then I'm going to enjoy it while it's here. And it's going to be fun to watch this, these guys compete in the first round. It's going to be fun to uh, watch them. If it is the Lakers take that test on, um, I, I, I don't feel like there's any way this is going to be boring, I guess is the best way to put it. But we'll get to the, the first thing here. Um, you know, we were texting back and forth on a few things. And the first one is just kind of some some house cleaning, really. Cam Johnson missed the past several games. I actually don't even know the official number. Um, DeAndre Ayton missed both of the back-to-back over the weekend against the Spurs. So... Both of those injuries, it sounds like, are expected to be fine by Sunday. Monty didn't want to overpromise and underdeliver on that. It doesn't sound like, but you were on the call today, I believe. It, it seems like we are all ready, likely to to see everybody on Sunday. Is that is that accurate? That's what it looked like. Monty was indicating today. Um, he had mentioned that um, we believe so in terms of he thinks that Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton will be back for Sunday's game, and then Robert Sarver on the Burns and Gambo showed yet said yesterday, I think, and this is on Monday that Cam Johnson had gotten his cast off. So he was trending toward the right direction in that as well. Um, And as you mentioned, both guys missed the last several games, eight in the last three, Cam Johnson, the last six now. Um, And and the Suns have really not had a lot of health problems, Brendan, until I think dating back to February was when was the last time they had multiple rotational guys out um, just due to injury or kind of COVID or health and safety related protocols. So if they can get everybody back, that would be obviously very beneficial. And they haven't dealt with a lot of health issues all year. Um, so the fact that that kind of happened at the end of the year is something they want to keep an eye on and just make sure everybody's ready to go for Sunday. For sure. What do you think we see there? Because if Cam does come back, like you said, the cast is off. He seems to be at least physically able to play, but it's hard to know, you know, whether the shooting cold slump he was in was a result of the pain in that right wrist or just, uh, you know, a, a down part of the season for him. And they don't have a lot of time to waste to figure that out, of course. I felt like after the Utah game that he played in that overtime period all the way back in early April um, before all this injury stuff happened was really going to be a turning point for him. It didn't end up being that he He's had a little bit of an up and down season here. So what do you expect the role that he will play will be? Because they have Jay Crowder. Torrey Craig has taken a big step forward since he got here. And obviously, Mikhail Bridges isn't going anywhere. Absolutely. They're going to need him to be at his best, especially for shooting the space, the floor, and do what he's really done for that bench group kind of the whole year. He's been a guy that's really stuck out. And he had a couple times where he was able to get into the starting lineup, but he's really when he's going, that bench group is going, and they're really going to need him to, like you said, break out of his slump, continue to shoot the ball well, and also play defense. You know, he's had times where he's been an improved defender in spots this year, so they're really going to need him to be as close to at his best, break out of that slump, as you mentioned, um, to get that whole bench group going. It's just so hard to know with injuries. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's there's no way to guess. Like, it, it, it's I don't think it's going to make or break things. Clearly, they've been winning without him. They you know what on his best night he's the fifth or sixth most important player on this team so it's not to say that they can't but yeah you you don't have the full scope of your offense when he's not in there because he he does add such an element being able to space the floor his trigger is so quick he's he's confident with that shot he can make it from anywhere he has deep range he's a good transition scorer there's so many different ways he impacts the game 
um, that I almost feel like we kind of forget what that can look like because it's been so long since he was really at that full, uh, full, you know, power that he had uh, early on, or especially in the bubble, if we can think back that far. Uh, but let's stay right here with that. Um, Mikhail Bridges, um, I think a lot of people are, are coming around to the idea that for the Suns to be at their best, no matter who they play, Mikhail Bridges offensively is going to need to do a little bit more, at least uh, do it every night. We've seen games where he does more. We've seen games where he can get to that you know, mid-range pull-up where he can beat guys off the dribble if they close out on him too hard. There's there's these little flashes of it, but I think to, you know, string together multiple series wins, if that's what the Suns want to do here, Mikhail Bridges is going to have to do more. What have you thought watching those little flashes and, and what do you think has to happen for those to be more consistent in the playoffs? Yeah, you mentioned it there. And one of the things that we've seen him improve this year is as a cutter to the rim too, in addition to that pull-up shot. And I think just with the attention that Chris Paul and Devin Booker obviously are going to generate in the playoffs. We've seen defenses where they're really trapping Devin Booker high above the perimeter, and the Suns have had to rotate quickly off of that. And Mikhail Bridges is going to be a guy, importantly, to really be that guy on the backside who can cut to the rim, you know, if the Suns can get the ball to the high post and find open opportunities for that. Um, and we were able to see just his offense kind of break out in the last 12 games of the year. He had 16 points on 63% shooting. I think he only missed double figures twice in that span. Um, so they're going to need him to do a lot, especially just because Chris Paul again and Devin Booker are going to generate so much attention that he's going to be have to be one of the guys who steps up too. You talk about cutting. I would like to just see them cut more, period. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that's just something where we're going to see teams switch on them. You know, that Utah game I brought up where Cam played well and McHale was in foul trouble. That game was really decided on which which offense can score on switches best, right? We saw Donovan Mitchell take over in that second half, and I think he scored close to 50 in that game. One of the last ones he played before the injury that he's been going through, and he was just taking these deep pull-up threes and making them. He got a four-point play in there, and then obviously the game closes with some clutch shot making on the opposite end from Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And one thing that I think can combat that is not only McHale being able to just score in isolation, but like you said, cutting, it's just not something we've seen the Suns do quite as often this year as they did last year when it was such an integral part of how they built their offense. So it's, it's hard to say that you'll see that more in the playoffs because we all know that things tend to bog down in the opposite direction, they get slower. There's less movement. There's less creativity in the offense come playoff time, but just a couple moments here and there, we know Mikhail's so smart with those. I think it would go a long way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to the center situation here because uh, you had some thoughts there. It's, it's obviously going to be a big factor, not only, with the Lakers who play really big, but the Warriors who tend to play small and and downsize with Draymond Green at the five. So we'll do that right after a quick break. But first, a quick word from Locker Room, the first sponsor of today's show. Locker Room is a platform made entirely for sports fans who want to talk about sports, literally live in real time, log on and chat with me, other fans, athletes, insiders, in real time about your favorite team or sport. We host shows every single Friday afternoon at noon 
Talking Suns, taking your questions. That is with Brandon, my Monday co-host. We are there Friday afternoon every single week for you guys. It's the perfect place to start or join a conversation about the NBA. In addition to our weekly show, there's watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news and rumors. And you even have a chance, like I said, to chat with hosts and get your questions answered. So go download the free Locker Room app right now, guys. Currently available on all iOS devices, and it's not in here, but they actually do have a beta for Android as well. So if, you, uh, if you've been feeling left out because you have an Android, you don't have to worry anymore. Go check it out there as well. Create a profile, link your Twitter account, join the NBA group, and you'll get updates every time a room goes live. And if you follow me at BrendanClean14, you'll get notified when we go live on Friday afternoons. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on the Suns this week. We'll be getting ready for the playoffs. I'm sure we'll have a ton to talk about. We will know the opponent by then, which will be nice. And uh, take your questions and get ready for the first round. See you there, guys. Locker room. Changing the way we talk sports. Okay, back here with Trevor Booth of Bright Side of the Sun. You've been covering the team all year for Cronkite News as well, Trevor. And so we've seen recently some interesting tests for the Suns in terms of their front court and and the way that the Suns are able to to use guys and the challenges that they've faced against opponents they've actually gotten to play the Lakers and the Warriors in the past couple of weeks so what did we see there and what did we learn from that yeah Brendan certainly a lot of challenges um, playing the Lakers with Anthony Davis for the first time this year he was available against the Suns and we just saw again what he can do when he's playing at his best. Um, He was getting to his spots pretty easily, got to the free throw line, I think 17 times in that game. And the Suns just didn't really have an answer for him. Um, Torrey Craig starting starting out on him. AD again was able to really just get his own. And that's something that the Suns are going to have to combat. You know, do you combat that with size? Do you combat that with just sticking to your own style and trying to speed the Lakers up? There's going to be a lot of challenges too. And when DeAndre Ayton, um, looking at the Warriors game, was put through a lot of screen actions with, Golden State running all toward the ball and the Suns being so concerned with their three-point shooting that actually opened up more inside the paint. I think the Warriors were 36 of 45 inside from three that game. I think they were 11 of 40 from three, but just a lot of opportunities there um, and schematic challenges. And we've seen this throughout the year where the Suns have kind of had some issues with opposing personnel. I think back to the Brooklyn game at home when I think they had that 24-point first half lead. And then in the fourth quarter when the Nets went small with Jeff Green at the five and Andre Ayton was struggling to guard that. And I think Monty went to Jay Crowder at the five late, but it was just kind of too late to stop the run. So personnel adjustments are going to be key during the postseason um, in terms of matching other teams and matching on the fly. That's what one of the things that the Suns have worked on throughout the year is not only getting their concepts in place, but also focusing on, okay, how can we adjust to what other teams are doing? And against these two teams specifically, when you look at the Warriors and Lakers, that's something they're going to have to continue to process and evaluate. No, it's a great point because they couldn't be more different from that perspective. We'll get to see that clash when they play each other in this playing game on Wednesday when folks will be listening to this. And then, you know, whichever it ends up being that the Suns play in that 2-7 matchup, it's going to be very, very different about how the Suns adjust. I think you're going to see if it is the Warriors, some Torrey Craig at the five, which is something Monty has really leaned on late in the season here. Um, somebody that I sort of have predicted would be a, a primary backup center in a lot of matchups, although the Lakers are not one where it would where that would be the case. And to me, it seems like, Trevor, if 
they do play the Lakers, you're going to see a lot of Sharich Aiton lineups, which is not something that's really gone all that well for the Suns. All, all things considered, they've the numbers show they've been much better when they play small all season long. That's been true, even when they were starting Kaminsky. Uh, no matter what, that's sort of held up. So it's it's not ideal, but I don't know another way that they could stop a player like Anthony Davis. I don't think it's Jay Crowder. I don't think it's Mikhail Bridges. I think it's probably, you know, maybe Torrey Craig is an option. You know, maybe it's playing big with Kaminsky or or Sharich on the floor with Ayton and then allowing Ayton to defend Davis. I don't really feel like they can use their base sort of starting rotation or starting lineup and actually contain Davis. It really feels like from the jump, we would see the Lakers forcing that adjustment onto the Suns, And it just starts to make you uncomfortable, I think. Absolutely. And we saw at times too, where the Suns were doubling, but the Lakers just have so many shooters around AD and around LeBron that they can take advantage of that too. So you really have to match up with them. And that was one of the biggest things in their championship run last year is they had a bunch of different ways to match up, even with Dwight Howard and how teams kind of had to go big against him and how he was able to, to negate Nikola Jokic in the conference finals. They really just have a lot as they can play. And if you're the Suns, you might just have to match that, even though, again, statistically, it's not what you prefer to do, but it might be what you have to do in order to slow them down there. It's so underrated, the the, the level of passer that Davis has become. I think that's been a huge part of his growth with the Lakers and, and fitting into the, the, the roster that they put together around he and LeBron is like you said, when he gets doubled, being able to find teammates. Yeah. He's been an assist guy for most of his career. He's always had that in his game. I think back to like the championship game when he won it in Kentucky and he's, you know, had a, you know, almost 10 assists if I'm remembering right, but really getting to that next level. And it just makes it so hard, like you said, to defend it. So I do think we could see like a Shara Jayton starting lineup be an adjustment Monty might have to make there. Um, I think we might, like I said, see more Kaminsky than we're expecting. It's just Jay Crowder is not the guy, the type of player you just put on an opposing scorer and, and sort of close the book. That's not really the, the value he provides on defense. So I don't think it's, it's what we'll see. I, I think they're going to have to get creative and go big. That brings us, though, to just Dario Saric in general. How confident do you think Suns fans should be that he can get back on track? Because this is not a guy who has been consistent all year by any means. Yeah, absolutely. And, Brendan, we were at the game um, Lynn, on, on Thursday, Portland, excuse me, um, and you could just see the reaction on Dario Saric's face after he missed three of those four free throws in the final minute. Um, and it seemed like after Imani was saying that it was consoling him as everything was okay and it was good, I think that he gave him another chance, right, with those starts in San Antonio. Um, I think it might have been the first or second game where he got some opportunities in the uh, around the paint in the, free, um, in the free area. But again, you mentioned it. It's just been an up and down year. When, when you talk about the, the COVID he got and then the ankle injury as well, uh, and, and just going into the playoffs, what you like to see, but again, you're going to have to, you know, to rely on everybody. And he's been a guy through the year. I, I think last I checked that he's still got the best net rating um, of any of the Suns players. So we'll need Crazy. to be reliable and his right. And his confidence is going to be much needed. Yeah. It, the confidence is the big thing. And like you said, you, you know, there's been moments where you can see it on his face that 
it's not there. It, he's a player that I think, you know, he's been pretty open. The reason it didn't work for him in Minnesota at all is there, there was just not that level of confidence externally from the coaching staff and from his teammates to him. Uh, some positives, though, from that Portland game, I do think, you know, they were asking him to do a whole lot with Aiton out in that game getting out to the perimeter on those pick and rolls, getting up to the level of the screen and, and putting a hand in the face of McCollum or Lillard. Uh, he's not the most fleet of foot, but was really handling that well. I thought, you know, they were attacking him getting downhill and making him try to protect the rim, which is not something he he's really good at doing, but I do think he can move his feet and, and at least stay with guys a little bit. He's not going to get killed in those moments. And uh, you know, I think getting that run, I think you have to hope would help him late in the year. The fact that he was able to start a couple of games there, three games there, and then just has been playing more again lately than he was. There was a couple DNPs for him and everything. So uh, still, you look at the numbers and he averaged 7.1 and 3.4 rebounds in the month of May in eight games there. And that includes those starts and has an average more than 10 points per game in a month since February. So he's he's really just not the bubble version of himself right now, and it could come back to bite the Suns because I don't think Frank Kaminsky is somebody you necessarily trust there either. You don't want to have to go small with Torrey Craig in those spots. So I think a lot of eyes on the backup center situation, and we'll actually keep on this topic a little bit because it goes hand-in-hand hand with the last thing we want to talk about, which is – Devin Booker, the adjustments and alterations he might have to make as a scorer, no matter who the Suns play, just getting into playoff basketball. So we'll talk about that in just one second. But first, another quick word from Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. My favorite protein bar. I've been telling you guys about the admittedly crazy workout regimen that I've been on, uh, working out for about an hour, a few times a week before I start my work day. And you know, back in the gym grind and all that. Now that we are uh, getting back to that stuff being open and fully usable and Bill Bar has been a lifesaver. I, I can't lie. It's been nice to have that snack that pick me up after a workout, before a workout, sometimes just, you know, you burn so many calories, you need the extra little bit of uh, energy late in the day. So it's perfect for any of those occasions because it's low in calories, usually about 130, 150, high in protein, 15 to 20 grams, and very, very low in sugar. So it's not going to hit you with that uh, crash afterward by any means or sit there in your stomach, make you feel gross. It has just good stuff in it. It gets you where you need to go throughout the day and they taste delicious, covered in 100% chocolate, as you know. So go to BuiltBar.com, guys. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA and NHL officially in the postseason. The MLB not slowing down. I have Shohei Otani highlights up and down my Twitter feed, which tells me that the craziness that is the MLB is back in our lives. You got fights pretty much every weekend. Tennis and golf are going to be going throughout the summer. It's really the busiest time on the sports calendar, and BetOnline has you covered for all of it. So check out the website for news, sign-up bonuses, contest info, and, of course, odds to get your money's worth. So don't sit on the sidelines. Get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Well, or in the Suns' case, maybe a little bit further. Head to the website, guys, or use your mobile device. Sign up today, and when you make your first deposit, use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's all one word, name of our network, 
to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Again, make an account on betonline.ag, put a little bit of money into your account and watch as you get a 50% welcome bonus straight to that account when you use the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Closing out the show with some thoughts on Devin Booker. Uh, I, I, Trevor brought on Mike Prada, who used to work at SB Nation, to really go down the rabbit hole of the nuts and bolts of, of the three different matchups, Jazz, Clippers, Lakers. And inevitably, I think in each segment of that show, we started talking about Devin Booker. And is he going to integrate pull-up three-point shooting more heavily into his game? Uh, I talked about watching Donovan Mitchell. I believe you were at that game too, when he's just raining pull-up threes and getting Utah back into that game. Uh, We saw it in these play-in games in the Eastern Conference today, especially from Jason Tatum. It's just, it seems to me to be the the ace in the hole that every elite NBA playoff scorer needs these days. And it's just not a shot Devin Booker takes. What are, what do you expect to happen there? He he prefers that inside area, but it's not always easy to get to those spots when the playoffs come. It's not. And Brendan, we've talked about it earlier in this podcast where he is just going to attract so much attention that he's really going to have to rely on quick offense in different ways to get into a shot um, without allowing time for defenses to get to him. Um, And we've seen how important it is for him to get off to fast starts this year, especially Um, he's fourth in the league in first quarter points at 8.3. And when he gets going early, the Suns tend to get going. And it seems like a lot of their slow starts and issues they've had with that at times have maybe been correlated to, you know, if he's not able to get going in the first quarter and really get, in his rhythm. So just with those things all integrated and the attention he's going to gather, it's going to be important that he finds different ways to, again, get quick, quick offense and avoid teams coming at him because he's really going to be a focal point um, throughout every game, throughout every series that the Suns have in the playoffs. Yeah. On the positive side, I do think I remember a lot of conversation on my, you know, me talking about it here and just among fans and, and media that the turnovers were such an issue in some games this year for him. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like that's gotten cleaned up. So I think that there's at least signs that he's observing how defenses are responding to him in this new role, adjusting and improving. Uh, what I just wonder is, can you manufacture the comfort with that shot, right? Like, I don't think that if you don't take that type of shot all season, that it's going to come naturally to just sort of flip that switch in the postseason, especially when it's much harder to, you know, get your shot off and, and you're having an elite defender on you for the entire time you're on the floor and a game plan that's that's dedicated to stopping you, although Booker's seen his fair share of that over the years as well. But we talked about the Lakers and, and, and uh, Warriors games recently and how aggressive they were. I would even add the Spurs game the previous to this last weekend the last time they played the Spurs and lost um, as an example on the negative but is there a game you can remember where we watched Devin Booker kind of respond to that pressure in a really impactful way that maybe Suns fans can think about as like what we could see again come postseason time because uh, I do think we should we should keep the, the 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 perspective that obviously he does answer it sometimes. It's just we remember the bad ones obviously more. Yeah, and I could be thinking wrong in my head, but I do remember one game earlier in the season, one of the first games that I was following, where 
he was just gaining so much attention really near half court every time he got the ball. I think it might have been the first Lakers game in L.A. Um, when LeBron was healthy, but Kyle Kuzma was out, Anthony Davis was out, and just how well the Suns were able to rotate off of that. And I know that's not necessarily the best example of his offense, but just the way he was able to get the ball out of his hands, really react, and um, that, that was the game he got ejected. So I, I can't remember if it was that game exactly, but there have been, as you mentioned, just moments where he's been able to pick up on stuff that teams have thrown at him, um, whether it's the pressure he's generating and how they're playing off of him. Um, and that's just going to be so much more important in this setting. And again, getting into your stuff quicker, your offense, your shot, um, it's all going to be pertinent just with the playoffs and how he's going to gain attention um, throughout it. Yeah, no, I think it's, I do think it was, I mean, the Lakers have played him that way all season. So I'm sure you're thinking of the right game. And I, I think about him and Bradley Beal a lot just because I think they're very similar players. And one one area, I don't really – I think they're very equal to me. I don't really know if I would have one over the other necessarily uh, when it comes to just scoring. But one thing that I think makes Beal uh, – that Beal's a little bit better at is, like you just said, he can get off the ball quickly, recognize that, and then still stay involved in the offense and find a way to get his, right? Like – there's not going to be a game where Bradley Beal doesn't come within uh, a couple steps of 30 points. Like it's going to happen. And that's not because he forces it down the opponent's throat. It's because he's dead set on getting involved wherever he can, however he can. I don't think we've seen that with Booker yet. I think these playoffs will be a good test of, of the ability he has to get there and uh, feeling confident that the ball will find him again if he gives it up. The example that I would give of just sort of the re- repetitive watching a possession after possession battle and then seeing him sort of figure it out and uh, make something happen when he needed to. Again, not a perfect example because it wasn't with a pull-up three and it wasn't with giving the ball up, so a, yet another version of it. But it's that Philly game when Matisse Thibel was just hounding him all game and then he goes in and on the right baseline has the little fadeaway pull-up mid-range jumper that seals the game. And so I think um, we've seen him answer when he's challenged. It's just when it's, you know, you got to win four of seven and you're being defended every minute you're on the floor by a Thibel caliber defender, Uh, an unenviable position, not something that I would want to do. I don't know about you, but I don't think that sounds very fun. So it's going to be a huge challenge. This is the guy's first time in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the attention's going to be on him just given the face he's been of this franchise for the last six years. You know, there's a lot that goes into it um, just outside of what he's got to do in the game. So really has a lot uh, of pressure to kind of deliver here. Um, And he's really going to be required to be engaged at all times just because his team's going to need him. You know, other teams are going to focus on him, but he's really going to be needed to perform, especially if the Suns do get the Lakers right away. There's no there's no revy up, but it's time to go at that point. It really feels like across the whole league, there's not a lot of players that more that are going to be more closely watched than Booker. Something I talked about, I think, on Monday when we saw the standings layout was like every single game in this series, if it is the Lakers or if it's the Warriors, it, it honestly doesn't matter, is going to be on, on like primetime national TV. And that's really cool in its own way because it's 
like you said, it's just that pressure without missing a beat. There's no, you know, appetizer series for the Suns to uh, to get ready through, right? It's going to be every game, everybody's watching, you're facing the defending champs or you're facing uh, the reigning, you know, two-time MVP and, and three-time champion Warriors. So, that's 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 going to be really really exciting i think for us to just kind of watch what they do and how they adapt and we've all been waiting we've all been saying for so long that devin booker's game is tailor made for the playoffs but now's the time to really watch what it looks like in reality for that first time but uh this has been good to go over some of these bigger issues or or questions looming over the sun's side of things we'll talk more once we know the opponent uh, on the show but is there anything else, Trevor, that's on your mind as we as we get ready for round one here? Yeah, just looking forward to get it going. It's been a long time here in Phoenix. Um, you know, for me, growing up in the Valley, I, you know, I was in fifth grade the last time the Suns were in the playoffs. So it's yep. exciting just to to see this all to come together um, and see how they do here. Yeah, we're all we're all rooting for at least a longer and competitive run here, even if it is just one series or a couple series. I don't think anyone uh, expects, I think to be fair, I don't think anyone expects it to go uh, quickly, but I also, um, I think we're all hoping that we're right about that Uh, just to see it. Right. It'd be so, I was thinking that about a couple of the teams today, like uh, the, the brutal nature of the playoffs when your team's not really in it, it doesn't matter, but then you're, you're kind of faced with it and it's like, damn, it's very cold. You just lose. It's over. It's that it's, that's it. Um, but yeah, we'll have to have you on as we get, as we make our way through all this stuff. It was fun to have you and thanks for joining us, Trevor. Yeah. I appreciate it, Brendan.